0: Um, I'm so sorry about the huge break that was between these two chapters. Uh there was a lot of technical issues behind the scenes, but anyway, let's get into it. In my dream, Grover was wearing a wedding dress. It didn't fit him very well. The gown was too long and the hem was caked with dried mud. The neckline kept falling off his shoulders. A tattered veil covered his face. He was standing in a dark cave, lit only by torches. There was a cot in one corner and an old-fashioned loom in the other, a length of white cloth half-woven on the frame, and he was staring right at me like I was a TV program he's been waiting for. Thank the gods, he yelled. Can you hear me? This is Chapter 7 of Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters. I accept gifts from a stranger. The way Tantalus saw it, the sip-and-fill birds had simply been minding their own business in the woods and would not have attacked if Annabeth Tyson and I hadn't disturbed them with our bad chariot driving. This was so completely unfair. I told Tantalus to go chase a donut, which... Didn't help his mood. He sentenced us to kitchen patrol, scrubbing pots and platters all afternoon in the underground kitchen with the cleaning harpies. The harpies washed with lava instead of water to get it extra clean with sparkle and kill 99.9% of all germs. So Annabeth and I had to wear Anastibo gloves and aprons. Tyson didn't mind. He plunged his bare hands right in and started scrubbing. But Annabeth and I had to suffer through hot hours of dangerous work especially since there were a ton of plates tantalus had ordered a special luncheon banquet to celebrate celebrate clarice's chariot victory a full course meal featuring country fried cephalian dead bird the only good thing about our punishment was that he gave annabeth and me a common enemy and lots of time to talk after listening to my dream about grover again she looked like she might be starting to believe me if he's really found it she murmured And if we could retrieve it... Hold on, I said. You act like this, whatever it is, Grover found, is the only thing in the world that could save the camp. What is it? I'll give you a hint. What do you get when you skim a ram? Messy? She sighed. A fleece! The coat of a ram is called a fleece. And if that ram happens to have golden wool, the golden fleece... "'Are you serious?' "'Annabeth scraped a plate full of Deathbird bones into the lava. "'Percy, remember the Grey Sisters? "'They said that they knew the location of the thing you seek, "'and they mentioned Jason. "'3,000 years ago, they told him how to find the Golden Fleece. "'You do know the story of Jason and the arrogance.' "'Yeah,' I said. "'The old movie with the clay skeletons?' "'Annabeth rolled her eyes. "'Oh my god, Percy, you're so helpless!' "'What?' I demanded. "'Just listen!' The real story of the fleece. There were these two children of Zeus, Camdeus and Europa, okay? They were about to get offered up as human sacrifices when they prayed to Zeus to save them. So Zeus sent this magical flying ram with golden wool, which carried them up into Greece and carried them all the way to Coquelas in Asia Minor. Well, actually, it carried Camdeus. Europa fell off and died along the way, but that's not important. It was probably important to her. The point is, when Camnius got her to Coquelas, he sacrificed the golden ram to the gods and hung the fleece in a tree in the middle of the kingdom. The fleece brought prosperity to the land. Animals stopped getting sick. Plants grew better. Farmers had bumper crops. Plagues never visited. That's why Jason wanted the fleece. It can revitalize any land where it's placed. It cures sickness, strengthens nature, cleans up pollution... It it could cure Talia's tree. Annabeth nodded. And it would totally strengthen the borders of Camp Half-Blood. But Percy, the fleece has been missing for centuries. Tons of heroes have searched for it, but with no luck. Grover found it, I said. He went looking for Pan and he found the fleece instead because they both radiate nature magic. It makes sense, Annabeth. We can rescue him and save the camp at the same time. It's perfect. Annabeth hesitated. A little... Too perfect, don't you think? What if it's a trap? I remembered last summer how Cronus had manipulated our quest. He'd almost fooled us into helping him start a war that would have destroyed the Western civilization. What choice do we have, I asked. Are you going to help me rescue Grover or not? She glanced at Tyson, who had lost interest in our conversation and was happily making toy boats out of cups and spoons in the lava. Percy, she said under her breath, we have to fight a Cyclops. Prometheus, the worst of the cyclopses there's only one place on his island where he could be the sea of monsters what's that she stared at me like she thought i was playing dumb the sea of monsters the same sea odysseus sailed through in jason and aeneas and all the others you mean the mediterranean no well yes but no another straight answer thanks Look, Percy, the Sea of Monsters is the sea that all heroes sail through on their adventures. It, is used, it used to be in the Mediterranean, yes, but like everything else, it shifts location as the west center of the power shifts. Like Mount Olympus being above the Empire State Building, I said, and Hades being under Los Angeles. Right! but a whole sea full of monsters how could you hide something like that wouldn't the mortals notice weird things happening like ships getting eaten and stuff of course they notice they don't understand but they know something is strange about that part of the ocean the sea of monsters is just off the east coast of the US now just northeast of Florida the mortals even have a name for it the Bermuda triangle exactly I let that sink in I guess it wasn't stranger than anybody, anything else I'd learned since coming to Camp Half-Blood. Okay, so at least we know where to look. It's still a huge area, Percy. Searching for one tiny island in a monster-infested waters? Hey, I'm the son of a sea god. It's my home turf. How hard can it be? Annabeth knitted her eyebrows. Well, we'll have to talk to Tantalus. Get approval for a quest? He'll say no. Not if we tell him tonight at the campfire in front of everybody. The whole camp will hear. They'll pressure him. He won't be able to refuse. Maybe. A little hope crept into Annabeth's voice. We'd better get these dishes done. Hand me the lava spray gun, will you? That night at the campfire, Apollo's cabin led the sing-along. They tried to get everybody's spirits up, but it wasn't that easy after that afternoon's bird attacks. We all sat around the semicircle of stone steps, singing half-heartedly and watching the bonfire blaze while Apollo guys strummed their guitars and picked their lyres. We did all the standard camp numbers, down by the Aegean, I am my own great-great-great-great-grandpa, this land is Minos's land. The bonfire was enchanted, so the louder you sang the higher it rose, changing colors in the heat with, with the mood of the crowd. On a good night, I'd seen it six meters high, bright purple, and so hot the front row's marshmallows burst into flames. Tonight, the fire was only a meter high, barely warm, and the flames were a color of lint. Dionysus left early, after suffering through a few songs. He muttered something about how even Pinnacle with Chiron would have been more exciting than this. He gave Tantalus a distasteful look and headed back towards the big house. When the last song was over, Tantalus said... Well, that was lovely. He came forward with a toasted marshmallow on a stick and tried to pluck it off. Real casual-like. But before he could touch it, the marshmallow flew off the stick. Tantalus made a wild grab, but the marshal committed suicide driving right into the flames. Tantalus turned back towards us, smiling coldly. Now then, some announcements about tomorrow's schedule. Sir, I said. Tantalus' eye twitched. Our kitchen boy has something to say. Some of the Ares camper snickered, but I wasn't about to let anybody embarrass me into silence. I stood up and looked at Annabeth. Thank the gods she stood up with me. I said, we have an idea how to save the camp. Dead silence. But I could tell that I got in everyone's interest because the campfire flared bright yellow. Indeed, Tantalus said blankly. Well, it has anything to do with chariots. The Golden Fleece, I said, we know where it is. The flames burned orange. Before Tantalus could stop me, I blurted out my dream about Grover and Polyphemus' island. Annabeth stepped in and reminded everybody what the fleece could do. It sounded more convincing coming from her. The fleece can save camp, she concluded. I'm certain of it. Nonsense, said Tantalus. We don't need saving. Everyone stared at him until Tantalus started to look uncomfortable. Besides, he added quickly, the sea of monsters? That's hardly an exact location. You wouldn't even know where to look. Yes, I would, I said. Annabeth leaned towards me and whispered, You would? I nodded, because Annabeth had jogged something in my memory when she reminded me about the taxi drivers with the Grey Sisters. At the time, the information that they had given me made no sense, but now it did. 30, 31, 75, 12, I said. Okay, Tantalus said. Thank you for sharing those meaningless numbers. They're sailing coordinates, I said. Latitude and longitude. I, uh... Learned about them in social studies. Even Annabeth looked impressed. 30 degrees, 31 minutes north, 75 degrees, 12 minutes east. He's right. The Grey Sisters gave us those coordinates. That'd be somewhere in the Atlantic, off the course of Florida. The Sea of Monsters. We need a quest. Wait a minute, Tantalus said. The campers took up the chant. We need a quest. We need a quest. The flames rose higher. This is unnecessary, Tantalus insisted. We need a quest. We need a quest. Fine! Tantalus shouted, his eyes blazing with angels "You brats want me to sign a quest? Yes. Well, very well," he he agreed. "I shall authorize a champion to undertake this perilous journey to retrieve the golden fleece and bring it back to camp." Or, not trying. My heart filled with excitement. I wasn't gonna let Tantalus scare me. This is what I needed to do. I was gonna save Grover and the camp. Nothing would stop me. I will allow our champion to consult the Oracle, Tantalus announced, and will choose two companions for the journey. I think the choice of the champion is obvious. Tantalus looked at Annabeth and me as if he wanted to flay us alive. The champion should be one who has earned the camp's respect, who has proven resourceful in the chariot races and courageous in the defense of camp. You shall lead this quest. Clarice! The fires flickered in a thousand different colors. The Ares cabin started stomping and cheering. Clarice! Clarice! Clarice stood up, looking stunned. Then she swallowed, and her s- chest swelled with pride. I accept the quest. Wait, I shouted. "Grover's is my friend. The dream came to me. Sit down, yelled one of the Ares campers. You had your chance last summer. Yeah, he just wants to be in the spotlight again, another said. Clarice glared at me. I accept the quest, she repeated. I, Clarice, daughter of Ares, will save the camp. The Aries campers cheered even louder. Annabeth protested, and the other Athena campers joined in. Everyone else started taking sides, shouting, arguing, and throwing marshmallows. I thought it was going to turn into a full-fledged s'more war until Tantalus shouted, "Silence, you brats!" His tone stunned even me. "Sit down," he ordered, "and I will tell you a ghost story." I didn't know what he was up to, but we all moved reluctantly back to our seats evil aura radiating from tantalus was as strong as any monster i'd ever faced once upon a time there was a mortal king who was beloved of the gods tantalus put his hands on his chest and i got the feeling he was talking about himself this king he said was even allowed to feast on mount olympus but when he tried to take some ambrosia and nectar back to earth to figure out the recipe Just one little doggy bag. Mind you, the gods punished him. They banned him from their hall forever. His own people mocked him. The children scorned him. And yes, campers, he had horrible children. Children just like you. He pointed his crooked finger at several people in the audience, including me. Do you know what he did to his ungrateful children? "'Tantalus asked softly, "'Do you know how he paid back the gods "'for their cruel punishment?' "'He invited the Olympians to feast at his palace "'just to show that there were no hard feelings. "'No one even noticed that his children were missing. "'And then when he served the gods dinner, "'my dear campers, can you guess what was in the stew?' "'I couldn't explain things to Tyson. "'He knew I was sad. "'He knew I wanted to go on a trip, "'and Tantalus wouldn't let me. "'Will you go anyway?' he asked.' I don't know, I admitted. It would be hard. Very hard. I will help! No, I, uh, I couldn't ask you to do that, big guy. Too dangerous. Tyson looked down at the pieces of metal he was assembling in his lap. Springs and gears and tiny wires. Beckendorf had given him some tools and some spare parts. And now, Tyson spent every night tinkering. Though, I wasn't sure how his huge hands could handle such delicate little pieces. What are you building? I asked. Tyson didn't answer. He said, "'He made a whimpering sound in the back of his throat. "'Annabeth doesn't like Cyclopses. "'You, you don't want me along.' "'No, no, 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 that's not it,' I said half-heartedly. "'Annabeth likes you. Really?' "'He had tears in the corner of his eyes. "'I remembered that Grover, like all satyrs, could read human motions.' I wondered if Cyclops had the same ability. Tyson folded his tinkering project into an oilcloth. He lay down in his bunk and hugged his bundle like a teddy bear. He turned towards the wall, and I could see the weird scars on his back, like somebody had plowed him over with a tractor. I wondered for the millionth time how he'd gotten hurt. Daddy always cared for me, he sniffled. Now, now, I think he mean, he was mean to have a Cyclops boy i i shouldn't have been born don't talk that way poseidon claimed you didn't he so he must care about you a lot my voice trailed off as though i thought about all those years tyson had lived on the streets of new york in a cardboard refrigerator box how could tyson think that poseidon had cared for him what kind of dad lets this happen to his kid even if his kid was a monster tyson Campbell will be a good home for you. The others will get used to you. I promise. Tyson sighed. I waited him to say something, but then I realized that he was already asleep. I lay on my back on my bed, and I start to close my eyes, but I just couldn't. I was afraid I might have another dream about Grover. If the empathy link was real, if something happened to Grover, would I ever wake up? The full moon shone through my window. The sound of the surf rumbled in the distance. I could smell the warm scent of the strawberry fields and the laughter of the dayers as they chased owls through the forest. But something felt wrong about the night. The sickness of Talia's tree spreading across the valley. Could Clarice Clarice save Camp Half-Blood Hill? Though the odds were better of me getting the best camper award from Tantalus. I got out of bed and pulled on some clothes. I grabbed a beach blanket and a pack of Six-Coke, uh from under my bunk. The cokes were against the rule. No outside snacks or drinks were allowed. But if you talked to the right guys in Hermes cabin and paid him a few golden drachmas, he could smuggle in almost anything from the nearest convenience store. Sneaking out after curfew was against the rules too. If I'd gotten caught, I'd either get in big trouble or eaten by the harpies. But I wanted to see the ocean. I always felt better there. My thoughts were clear. I left the cabin and headed for the beach. I spread my blanket near the surf and popped open a Coke. For some reason, sugar and caffeine always calmed down my hyperactive brain. I tried to decide what I could do to save the camp, but nothing came to me. I wish Poseidon would talk to me, give me some advice, or something. The sky was clear and starry. I was checking out out the constellations Annabeth had taught me. Stagatarius, Hercules, Corno Borealis. When somebody said, beautiful, aren't they? I almost spewed Stoda. Standing right next to me was a guy in a nylon running shorts and a New York Marathon t-shirt. He was slim and fit with salt and pepper hair and a sly smile. He kind of looked familiar, but I couldn't figure out why. My first thought was that he must have been taking a midnight jog down the beach and strayed inside the camp borders. That wasn't supposed to happen. Regular mortals couldn't enter the valley. But maybe with the magic of the trees weakening, he managed to slip in. But in the middle of the night, and there was nothing around here except farmland and state preserves. Where could this guy have jogged from? May I join you? He asked. I haven't sat down in ages. Now, I know a strange guy in the middle of the night. Common sense. I was supposed to run away, yell for help, etc. But the guy acted so calm about the whole thing that I found it hard to be afraid. I said, uh, sure. He smiled. Your hospitality does you credit. Oh, and Coca-Cola. May I? He sat on the other end of the blanket, popped a soda, and took a drink. Ah, that hits the spot. Peace and quiet at... A cell phone went off in his pocket. The jogger sighed and pulled out the phone, and my eyes got big. Because it glowed with a bluish light. When he extended the antenna, two curved... Two creatures began withering around. Green snakes, no bigger than earthworms. The jogger didn't seem to notice. He chucked his LCD screen and cursed, I've got to take this. Just a sec. Then into the phone. Hello? He listened, the mini snakes withering up and down the antenna right next to his ear. Yeah, the jogger said, listen, I know, but I don't care if he is chained to a rock with vultures pecking at his liver. If he doesn't have a tracking number, we can't locate his package. A gift to humankind. Great. You know how many of those we deliver? Oh, never mind. Listen, just refer him to Arius in customer service. I gotta go. He hung up. Sorry, the Overnight Express business is booming. Now, as you were saying, you have snakes on your phone. What? Oh, they don't bite. Say hello to George and Martha. Hello, George and Martha, a raspy male voice said inside my head. Don't be sarcastic, a female voice said. Why not, George demanded. I do all the real work. Oh, let's not go into that again. The jogger slipped the phone back into his pocket. Now, where were we? Ah, yes, peace and quiet. He crossed his ankles and stared up at the stars. Been a long time since I've got to relax. Ever since the telegram? Rush, rush, rush. Do you have a favorite constellation, Percy? I was still kind of wondering about the little green snakes he shoved into his jogging shorts. But I said, uh, I like Hercules. Why? Well, because he had rotten luck. Even worse than mine. And it makes me feel better. The jogger chuckled. Not because he was strong and famous and all that? No. You're an interesting young man. And so, you know what? I knew immediately what he was asking. What did I intend to do about the fleece? Before I could answer, Martha the Snake's muffled voice came from his pocket. I have to meet her on the line, too. Not now, the jogger said. Tell her to leave a message. She's not gonna like that. The last time you put her off, all the flowers in the floor delivery division welted well tell her i'm in a meeting the jogger rolled his eyes sorry again percy you were saying um who are you exactly having you guessed by now a smart boy like you show him martha pleaded i've been full-sized for months don't listen to her george said she just wants to show off the man took out his phone again original form please The phone glowed a brilliant blue. It stretched into a meter-long windstaff with dove wings sprouting out the top. George and Martha, now full-grown, sized green snake, coiled together around the middle. It was a catechus, the symbol of cabin 11. My throat tightened. I realized who the jogger reminded me of with his elfish features. The little mischievous twinkle in his eyes. You're Luke's father, I said. Hermes the god pursed his lips he stuck his kiss in the sand like an umbrella pole luke's father normally that's not the first way people introduce me god of thieves yes god of messengers and travelers if they wish to be kind god of thieves works george said oh um, don't mind george martha flicked her tongue at me he's just bitter because hermes likes me best he does not does too "'Behave, you, too,' Hermes warned. "'I'll turn you back into a cell phone and set you on Vibrite. "'Now, Percy, you still haven't answered my question. "'What do you intend to do about the quest?' "'I i don't have permission to go.' "'No, indeed. Will I stop you?' "'I want to go. I have to save Grover,' Hermes smiled. "'I knew a boy once. Oh, younger than you by far. "'A mere baby, really. Here we go again,' George said.' always talking about himself. Quiet, Martha snapped. Do you want to get set on vibrate? Hermes ignored them. One night, when this little boy's mother wasn't watching, he sneaked out of their cave and stole some cattle that belonged to Apollo. Did he get blasted into tiny pieces, I asked. Hmm, no. Actually, everything turned out quite well. He made up for his theft. The boy gave Apollo an instrument he'd invented, a liar. Apollo, which was so enchanced with the music that he completely forgot all about being angry. So what's the moral? The moral? Hermes asked. Goodness, you act like it's a fable. It's a true story. Does truth have a moral? Um, how about this? Stealing is not always bad. I don't think my mom would like that mortal. Rats are delicious, George suggested. What does that have to do with the story? Martha demanded. Nothing. George said, but I'm hungry. I've got it, Hermes said. Young people don't always do what they are told, but if they can pull it off and do something wonderful, sometimes they escape punishment. How's that? You're saying I should go anyway, I said, even without permission. Hermes' eyes twinkled. Martha, may I have the full package, please? Martha opened her mouth and kept opening it until it was wide as my arm. She belched out a stainless steel canister an old-fashioned lunchbox flask with a plastic top. The sides of the flask were embalmed with a red and yellow ancient Greek scenes. A hero killing a lion, a hero lifting up Cerberus, the three-headed dog. That's Hercules, I said. But how? Never question a gift, Hermes chid. This is a collector's item from Hercules Busts Heads, the first season. Hercules Busts Heads? Great show, Hermes sighed. Back before Hephaestus TV was a reality programming, of course the flask would be worth much more if I had the whole lunchbox. Or if it hadn't been to Martha's mouth, George added. I'll get you for that, Martha began chasing around the kiss. Wait a minute, I said, this is a gift? One of two, Hermes said. Go on, pick it up. I almost dropped it because it was freezing cold on one side and burning hot on the other. The weird thing was, when I turned the flask, the side facing the ocean, north, was the, always the cold side. It's a compass, I said. Hermes looked surprised. Very clever. I never thought of that, but I intended to use it a bit more dramatic. Uncap it, and you will release the wind from the four corners of the earth. Speed you up on your way. Not now! And please, when the time comes, only unscrew the lid a tiny bit. The winds are a bit like me always restless should all four un- escape at once uh but i'm sure you'll be pretty careful and now george my second gift she's touching me george complained as he and martha slithered around the pole she's always touching you Hermie said you're entwined and if you don't stop that you'll get nodded again the snake stopped wrestling. George unhinged his jaw and coughed up a little plastic bottle filled with chewable vitamins. You're kidding me, I said. Are those minotaur-shaped? Hermes picked up the bottle and, ra- and rattled it. The lemon ones, yes. The grape ones are furies, I think. Or are they hydras? At any rate, these are potent. Don't take them unless you really, really need it. How will I know if I really, really need it? You'll know, believe me, nine essential vitamins, minerals, amino acids, oh, everything you need to feel yourself again. He tossed me the bottle, um thanks, I said, but Lord Hermes, why are you helping me? He gave a melancholy smile, perhaps because I hope you can save many people on this quest, Percy, not just your friend Grover. I stared at him. You don't mean Luke Hermes didn't answer, look, I said. Lord Hermes, I mean, thanks for everything, but you might as well take gifts. Luke can't be saved. Even if I could find him, he told me he wanted to tear Olympus down stone by stone. He betrayed everyone he knew. He, he hates you especially. Hermes gazed up at the stars. My dear young cousin, if there's one thing I've learned over the eons is that you cannot give up on your family, no matter how tempting they make it. It doesn't matter if they hate you or embarrass you or simply don't appreciate you for your genius for inventing the internet. You invented the internet? That was my idea, Martha said. Rats are delicious. It was my idea, Hermes said. I mean, the internet, not the rats. But that's not the point, Percy. Do you understand what I'm saying about family? I, I'm not sure. You will someday. Hermes got up and brushed the sand off his legs. In the meantime, I must be going. You have 60 calls to return, Martha said, and 1,038 emails, George added, not counting the offers for online discount Ambrosia. And you, Percy, Hermes said, have a shorter deadline than you realize to complete your quest. Your dear friends should be coming right about now. I heard Annabeth's voice calling my name from the sand dunes. Tyson, too. They were shouting from a little bit further away. I hope I packed well for you, Hermes said, "'I do have some expertise with travel.' "'He snapped his fingers and three yellow duffel bags "'appeared at my feet, waterproof, of course. "'If you ask nicely, "'your father should be able to help you reach the ship.' "'Ship?' Hermes pointed. "'Sure enough, a big cruise ship "'was cutting across Long Island Sound, "'its white and gold lights glowing in the dark waters. "'Wait!' I said, "'I don't understand any of this. "'I haven't agreed to even go.' I'd make up your mind in the next five minutes if I were you, Hermes advised. That's when the harpies will come eat you. Now, good night, cousin. And dare I say it, may the gods be with you. He opened his hands and the catechist flew into it. Good luck, Martha told me. Bring it back, a rat, George said. The catechist changed into his cell phone and Hermes slipped it into his pocket. He jogged off down the beach. Twenty paces away, he shimmered and vanished, leaving me alone. With a flask, a bottle of chewable vitamins, and five minutes to make an impossible decision.